The Courage to Lead, episode 174. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Arlen here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having an exceptional week. I'm having a great week, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest. Please help me welcome Ashley Livingstone. Ashley is an entrepreneur, founder, and chief engagement officer of Our Forte, a company dedicated to helping clients build a culture of support and powerful connections between their clients, teams, and leadership. Ashley has launched Teams with Edge, a program designed to help leaders engage, develop, show gratitude, and create an overall enjoyable work experience for their teams and business. She enjoys the one-to-one and team workshops approach she takes um, to make an impact in the confidence of leaders and ultimately their teams. Ashley is on a mission to teach leaders that work doesn't have to be so hard, providing with the insights and skills to help create thriving, sustainable cultures, which inspire their team and helps them and their businesses succeed. Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation and be on your show. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. No, this is great. I've been looking forward to the conversation. So you're in Ontario, Canada. Is that correct? I am. I am. Yeah, I'm Canadian. We're here in Ontario. We are finally getting into some summer weather, which is always the most exciting thing that happens in Canada. <laughs> absolutely. Um, are, are you from, from there originally? Yeah, I, yep. Born and raised and... Yeah, so I'm definitely used to how this weather thing goes, but oh, yeah. uh, I'm still surprised every year. <laughs> Absolutely, no, it's 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 unique and uh, it's unusual to find people who are uh, born and raised in the same area because people mm-hmm. are so transient now. You know, I mean, I originally grew up in Southern California. My parents were from the southeast, and then I moved back to the southeast. You know, it's just everybody's from somewhere, so it's yeah. interesting to find somebody who's yeah born and raised. So I actually live around the corner from where my dad and my grandparents had their home, where my dad was raised. I, I feel like where I live, people kind of stick around because it's such a great community. And I know people that went to school with my dad and I know there's, there's just a lot of overlap, um, reminds me to be a good person because people don't go away. That's true. Yeah. And everybody knows everybody so yeah, everyone definitely. knows yeah definitely all right well I want to come back and talk about kind of how you got your start how you got into what you're doing today and some of the programs you have going on uh, but before we get started I have 10 questions that I like to ask all my guests um, listeners know these are the questions from the tv show inside the actor's studio where the host James Lipton asks these questions of his uh, Hollywood guests from tv film and stage and I figure if these questions are good enough for the Hollywood elite they're certainly good enough for my guests so, Ashley, I have 10 questions for you. If you're ready, question number one, what is your favorite word? Sounds kind of corny, but it's love. Good job. It's not corny at all. All right. Uh, what is your least favorite word? Judgment. Mm. What turns you on? Other people's energy. What turns you off? Mm, condescending people. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? Mm, the sound of my son laughing. 
What sound or noise do you hate? Sirens. Mm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite curse word? Well, I'm not going to say it out loud, um, but I do love a very powerful F-bomb. <laughs> All right. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Would I like to attempt in, in real life? Sure. Um, I think I would have been a really great spa owner, creating <laughs> a very chill, calm, relaxing experience. Nice. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Okay. What profession would you not like to do? Oh, accounting. Yes. <laughs> no need to think on that one. Nope. Accounting. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> All right. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Mm. <laughs> Good job, kid. <laughs> Good kid. Good job. Yeah. All right. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about how you got your start, how you got to where you are now, um, who you work with and how you help them, some of the programs you have going on. And at some point, we're going to transition into courage and leadership. Okay. Great. All right. Listeners, we're going to talk about all of that and probably a lot more right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Ashley Livingstone. Ashley, thanks again for being on the program. I'm looking forward to the conversation. So I was reading in your LinkedIn profile, and I love your tagline, creating events with impact and developing teams with edge. Love that. And Edge, you're talking about the program you created, right? Yes, absolutely. Edge stands for engagement, development, gratitude, and experience. Those are my pillars for kind of keeping everyone together and, and helping leaders and teams excel. Very cool. But so you brought up, and I totally agree, right? Engagement, development, gratitude. Mm. That's something that's kind of glossed over by most yeah. employers. Why is gratitude so important? Well, gratitude just in my, in my mind, and I, I come back from this from a fundraising profession and gratitude is such a key piece in the fundraising world is thanking your donors, thanking your partners, thanking your volunteers. And we shower these people with so much gratitude. But then when you flip the page and look at the corporate world, we seem to forget this. And we're always hustling for the next client or the next um, job or the next partner, but we're not really fostering those relationships. And I think gratitude is a huge piece to building, keeping, maintaining relationships that when you can make people feel seen, valued, appreciated, their loyalty grows for you and your brand. So that's why, you know, Gratitude is such a huge pillar in the work that I do, and, and it doesn't have to be huge, right? I'm not talking about throwing giant parties and showering people with $1,000 gifts. Sometimes it is actually as small and simple as a thank you letter. 
I just read something the other day. Um, one of the office admins was late because she had car trouble. So Steve Jobs gave her a Jaguar and said, don't ever be late again. <laughs> We're not talking about gratitude like that, right? Not talking about that, okay. no. <laughs> But I think the the notion behind it was, you know, I see you, maybe your car is not the greatest. He has the means to do that. Most people don't, but as a handwritten note that says to your client, I'm so excited to do this work with you, or thank you for your continued business. You know, we spend so much time with promotions to get new clients and showering new prospects with love. But what about the people who've been with us for a long time? Yeah. And those handwritten notes, like you said, that means a lot, a lot more than people think. It's Mm -hmm. easy to hand somebody a a Starbucks gift card. Say, thanks, great job. You probably have a desk drawer full of them. I I worked for a a manager one time at Lockheed Aircraft when I was there. We worked up in the, um, one of the engineering areas. We were designing draftsman type stuff. And for Christmas, he went over to the supply cabinet and got mechanical pencils and gave us each a mechanical pencil. It's like, Pete, I could go over to that cabinet anytime I want and grab a pencil. You know, it's like, it was crazy. But um, the flip side of that had some uh, HVAC work done at my house. And after the work was done, like two days later, I got a handwritten note from the owner of the company going, I hope my guys did a great job for you. Love to have you as a new customer. I, I... I was sold. I mean, that was, I would never use anybody else again. You know, yeah. that those little things mean that much. Um, but I know, and maybe you've encountered people like this. Um, a lot of the old school is, hey, they should be happy they have a job. I'm paying them. That's gratitude. No, that's trans. <laughs> I, um, well, my body just got really tense when you said that. <laughs> I'm going to take a breath. No, that's, that's a transactional relationship. And, and that's what I, I really believe needs to be the big shift is moving relationships from transactional where I pay you, you do as I say, um, to building an actual real relationship. And that has is more than surface level. And I get it. At the end of the day, we're we're building businesses and we're, you know, trying to grow revenue and serve people, but people serve people. And if your people are not engaged, if they are not believing what you're doing, if they don't feel valued and appreciated, they're going to go somewhere else. And I know that there are still leaders out there who are like, okay, then let them go. I'll just find somebody else. That might be, but the amount of time that you're going to keep spending on finding somebody else and then having to onboard those people, having to introduce your clients to those people, like that right there is the time, like time is worth more. So moving relationships from transactional to actual relationships is really where I would love to see more leaders go. And uh, as a consultant, I used to travel around and we'd be on these big projects where you have hundreds of consultants in helping this company, you know, achieve something. We always did team building exercises because a team that gets along, knows each other outside of work, um, you perform better. You know, you're more willing to help out and step up. Is that what you're finding in the teams when you start helping teams kind of build? 
Yeah. So typically when somebody comes to me, they actually come to me first thinking that they need help with their clients, client retention or client satisfaction. They're noticing a downward trend or it's, you know, they want to get out of that hustle mentality of got to get the next client. But what I usually have to get leaders to see is you need to take a couple steps backwards first. First, you need to look internally. How are you showing up as a leader? kind of step one. And two, how are you showing up as a leader with your team? How engaged, how is the team loyalty? How is the team collaboration? Kind of all of those edge pillars, engagement, development, gratitude, and experience. How is your team experiencing work? Because if things are thriving there, it's going to cascade out into your clients. It's almost like you can't fix the symptom without getting to the root cause of what's going Mm -hmm. on. And oftentimes it comes down to leadership and team first. So a lot of the teams that I'm going into, the leader wants to throw like a a thank you barbecue or a holiday party and nobody wants to go. If nobody wants to come to your party, you have a bigger issue. It's because they don't they don't feel like they actually feel like it's a box checking, right? Like, a, Oh, good. Look, I'm a good leader. I checked it off the box. I, I offered them a barbecue. Yes. A barbecue is one option. Once you have built engagement throughout your team. And so I always start, we always have to start with the small things so that when you do a big thing, it, it resonates and it hits yeah. home. Absolutely. It matters. Yeah. If you're in a culture where you love being with these people and working and everything like that, you don't need those little special things because you, you feel good about going there. Otherwise it's almost like being bribed. Will you come into work this week? You know, we're having pizza. (laughs) If you have to bribe your employees to come in, I think that's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and I know that a lot of leaders are struggling right now because of the hybrid remote in office work and and it's different for every office. I think there is not a one size fits all approach. Um, and I know that there are some leaders who are really, you know, want their team to come back to the office because there is benefits to that team connection. Sure. But we need to be more creative. We've been creative for two years. I think you don't just shut it off and say, okay, we can, so let's come back to the office and I'll bribe you with lunches or I'll bribe you with, you know, whatever it is. Um, I think this is the time for leaders to really show up and be flexible and ask their team, like what's going to be the best for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and this is getting back to the topic of, of company culture. Culture is huge, right? But so many people have this, Either they don't really understand what culture is, or they have a totally twisted idea. Um, I had one guest on the podcast that said that he, the misconception he's heard most was that people think that culture is parties, perks, and ping pong. (laughs) It's so much deeper than that. People just don't understand. You know, someone um, that I work with said this like really well, and I hope I don't screw it up, but he said culture is what people do when you're not looking how you it's how they continue to support one another you know is your team helping one another is your team 
being comfortable to innovate? Is your team um, thanking one another? Like, are they following the mission and the values and all of the pieces that go along with your business? Are they living and breathing it when the boss, can't see me, I'm air quoting, um, the boss isn't looking? Sure. That's like truly leaning into and feeling the culture. It's just part of who you are. And I think that that's a big misconception for people is, yeah, it's like parties and parades and pageants, <laughs> right? It's not that. It's right. it's what you do all the time and how you build it. I had one one client say, I want I want to create a culture here. I'm like, buddy, you've already created a culture right. here. Yeah. <laughs> you <Good> want to <laughs> Yeah. We need to that's not how that works. <laughs> right? How you show up every day um, is influencing the culture of your organization. You don't get to just show up one day and say, I'm going to create a culture today. Right. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I was working with a client years ago that, that said, we want to fix our culture. It's like, great. I hope you're in this for the long haul because that's going to take a lot of time. And she goes, isn't there an easier, faster way we can do this? And I said, yes, ma'am. Fire everybody. Start and start over. over, right? That's the only way to do it because if you have two or more people working together, there is a culture there. You may not know it, may not see it, may not have intended it, but it's there. And as you add employees and it's their behaviors and their actions that build that culture and the longer you let things go, that's the culture you create, right? Yeah. So you have to intentionally build and, and set the example for the culture you want and then make sure that everything you do and everything that everybody else does supports that culture. Yeah, culture isn't easy, right? I think that that's one of the biggest misconceptions is culture isn't easy to, I'm going to just say the word fix, right? Because there are a lot of small things, like you said, that go into it. And I really, truly believe that it does come down to being intentional, holding, setting and holding boundaries, setting and holding and reflecting back on expectations, that clear communication. Because if you say you have a culture of um, innovation and then you hold a brainstorming session and a couple people just like start jumping into blocking ideas and you let it go, yeah. all of a sudden your, your culture of innovation is no longer there right? You're, you're, you're misaligned and it takes, it doesn't take much to undo the work you've done. Mm -hmm. I, I often say it's like working out, <laughs> right? I can sure. work out. I can train for that marathon, right? I'm not, but you can put in the time and effort to get your body in shape and then think, okay, we're good. I'll take a month off, eat Big Macs every day and sit on my couch. Well, guess what? you lose it pretty quickly. You've lost every bit. Yeah. 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 And culture, it, like I said, is huge and it impacts every area of your business, not just your employees. It, it goes out to the your stakeholders, your, your clients, customers, your everybody, everybody you deal with. The broader community too. Yeah. And, you know, I think about places like where I live, we are a tight knit community. We're not a small town, but it does sometimes have that small town feeling to it. 
And who you are to your team and who you are to your clients is who you are to your community and how you show up in the community. And there is, it's not just one way, right? And I think oftentimes that's a lot of pressure for leaders, I understand, but that's where it is. It's starting to be really intentional and, you know, start the way you plan to go. Yes. Excellent. Love that quote. Yeah, definitely. All right. Let's back up a little bit. You Mm -hmm. looking at your LinkedIn profile again, you've uh, got a degree in communications and a graduate postgraduate diploma in special event management. This is like the perfect little world for you then, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been great. I've been able to, um, you know, make my parents proud that all the money I spent went to what I'm doing. (laughs) Um, So check that off. But um, yeah, I think for me too, people often are thinking like, how does events play into leadership coaching? And what events really is, is yeah, there's the, the party or there's the activity or, but really what being in communications and events and fundraising has taught me is that it all comes down to relationships. And my almost like fascination with how people engage with one another. I love watching people in relationships um, at work, at home, just how they engage. Because again, you can have a great event happening and it's about bringing people together. It's about creating shared experiences for people. And it's more than just a party. I've always said that. That's why, you know, I have that tagline, events with impact. Right. Because I'm not about, you know, throwing a party. Um, I'm about bringing people together for either a cause or networking or development or even gratitude, right? We're bringing people together for a purpose. And at the end of it, it comes down to fostering relationships. So I love that. That's awesome. So... Kind of walk me through how this works. You're contacted by somebody who says, hey, I've got a problem here. What do you do first? I mean, do you, do you try to fix their problem and then have an event to celebrate that? Or do you create an event to help them solve their problem? I typically start with needing to do that foundation before you can have the event. Um, so if I was to walk through you know, my edge pillars. And that's typically what I do with someone is we start with, you know, what is the engagement audit? You know, so I'll start with an engagement or culture audit. How are things going now? How are you engaging with your team? How are you engaging with your clients? And how are you engaging with your broader community? Um, And then we start to build in ways that we can develop that more. So what does, you know, team development look like? What opportunities are you giving your team to help them grow or, you know, fill that gap? Because we're always going to find a, you know, a skills gap or a connection gap. So how are we doing that? We layer in the gratitude piece, start making people feel valued and appreciated, um, both team and clients. I also, because I have that fundraiser background in me, I love organizations to add a community give back so how and I really believe that when teams who give together and volunteer Mm. together um, that's that's like my little sneaky way of 
checking off lots of boxes. Nice. Um, and then we usually finish the experience part with creating a shared experience. And that's where that event or team summit, um, workshops, you know, depending on budget, if they're able to go away on a retreat, I think that's always a great opportunity. Um, but that's how it kind of becomes a bit of a full circle. We walk through those steps and finish with the event. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. You talk about the volunteering. I we had a guy on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, I think, and he was talking about working with this one company there. One of their core values was we give back to our community. And so they asked, what have you guys done, you know, to volunteer effort to give back to the community? He goes, well, we've never really done anything. So how is that one of your core values? Yeah. You know, you got to get out there and do it. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It looks good on the wall, right? It looks good to have written on the wall, but you have to actually do it. And I think that that's a piece that I love sharing with people because it's a win-win situation. Like the organization who is receiving feels great about your business and your team um, and they talk about you and then it also feels good to give it feels good to make an impact and especially to do it as a company um, and a group of people it again it's part of that creating a shared experience exactly and that's huge you know that's huge my wife and I stopped giving each other gifts things for gifts we started giving experiences because they last so much longer. And, you know, we'll, we'll see something and go, Oh, remember the time when we did this, yeah. you know? So yeah, building that, that culture through those shared experiences. That's huge. That's awesome. Yeah. So do you have a, uh, a story, a, a big win that you can share some company came in, what it looked like before and what it looked like when you were done? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, well, I won't, name names, but uh, they were going through like a a large leadership change. And it was really great because the team, the team was rather untrusting of consultants, actually, when I started, I think they'd had some not great experiences in the past. So based on the approach that I like to do of building relationships, listening and talking to people, they really each had an opportunity to open up and share their experiences, talk about what would make life for them at work better. And we were able to then pull out common themes. And I think that that's what was really awesome about this experience was there were common themes. So people no longer felt like they were the only one who felt this way. So when we give the report back and people are hearing their Um, challenges echoed by the many, um, it really brought people together. So that, that right there already kind of took people from being in silos and leadership thinking they were doing a great job, but it really showed them their blind spots. So that was a great opportunity. And then being able to take them through fixing it. And I'm a big believer in that you can't just deliver a seminar or workshop without the implementation and accountability that goes along with it because we get busy in our day-to-day. So being there with them as they started to practice and flex these communication skills and 
you know, cultural alignment, you know, Mm -hmm. how's that going to look? Where do they want to change it? And letting the staff be a part of the solution instead of top down saying, this is what we're going to do. It's actually being presented collaboratively so that the team is now buying into and having a hand in what the future of the organization is going to look like. So that is really exciting to see them talking and sharing and these people who, you know, it took me a bit to get them to open up are now openly sharing with one another and rebuilding that trust. So yeah, that's such a, such a fulfilling um, win for me. Yeah. That, yeah. And I, just to be able to create the type of culture where people felt comfortable enough to open up yeah. and share, you know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of companies hide, I think, hide behind like the 360 feedback. It's all anonymous. People can say whatever they want. They can throw darts at whoever they want and stuff. That's not helpful. Build a culture where people are comfortable enough to say, Hey, I, I disagree. And here's why, mm-hmm. you know, without any retribution. Yes. That's the big piece. And I think, because we're all human, right? If you were able to, if you said to me right now, and I'm like a very, like I practice this, but even if you were to say, you know what, Ashley, this interview is really not going well. Like whatever it was, I, my initial, your initial response is still that, you know, fight, fight, freeze. You still have that. We all have it, but it's being able to recognize like, oh, that did something to me and then making a choice how you respond, but it takes practice. We can't just go into an organization and say, Hey, we're all going to now be giving critical feedback or constructive criticism. And this is now part of our culture. You have to teach people how to do it and then give them the grace of making mistakes as they're learning something new so that they can get back up again and keep trying. Yeah, coach them through it. Yeah. Hey, that was great. Love the effort. You know, thanks for that. Let's try this next time. Or here's a, another way you could do that or something. Yeah. yeah and as a leader, understand that you have to learn too. Mm. Many of us were not raised this way. We weren't, no. we, we weren't raised this way. We were raised to listen to feedback, but not give it. Yes. Absolutely. hundred percent. And now to have to be a participant in feedback is really challenging for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. So would you consider some of these cultures toxic cultures when you encounter them? Yes, absolutely. And I can see it now too. I think, you know, once you've, you know, when you see something, you can't unsee it. Yeah. Um, now I kind of have a bit of that like spidey sense of picking out those toxic cultures. I can see the tell signs yeah. when I'm talking to employees or team members. Um, and it started to happen more and more through the pandemic as I was working with clients on either their fundraising event or doing workshops for them. Sometimes they would say like, hey, can you actually stay on for a minute? I have to ask you a question. And we'd yeah. stay on. And all of a sudden it was like, yeah, it's great that you just taught us this, but it's never going to happen because of this, like something I had, you know, no clue about. And now I'm very aware of quiet people 
mm-hmm. of decisions that only like every single decision has to be made by one person. Um, I see it too in some organizations where they were working remotely for two years and now they are 100% back in the office, nine to five, Mm. no lunch break. Like they've just gone completely back when they don't need to. Um, Mm. I can see it. I can see the tell signs really, really quickly. A lot of times they're real subtle. It's those little under the breath comments. Yeah, but that's just my opinion. Oh yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> or when an organization does not have an HR department, that to me, or they, there's no, there's no path for people. Yeah. There's no path for people. That's, that's the challenge I think right now is for me being able to see it, but knowing that it's like, okay, I can't fix all the yeah. things I need to, leaders need to be um, aware and willing to change because there's no point in bringing someone like me or even yourself into an organization if the leadership is not going to evolve and adapt. Absolutely. And that is a perfect segue into uh, courage because we talk about uh, intellectual courage, the courage to be able to set aside what you know, right, mm-hmm. your long-held beliefs to make room for new knowledge that comes in. That's tough for some leaders because it, you know, you're taught you have to know everything. You have to be the best of the best, you know, in order to lead these people. And I don't agree with that. I think you need to bring out as a leader, you bring out the best in your employees. So you have to have the courage to say, you know what? I don't know what to do here. How can we fix this? And turn it over to your employees to get the Mm -hmm. answers, right? Um, The empathetic courage. Hey, yes, I'm afraid of everything that changes going on, but I need to set that aside and make room for you. What are you feeling right now, right? Don't impose my feelings on you, but what are you feeling and dealing with? just all different types of, of courage. Um, and the other piece of courage that I like to talk to people about is where did you find the courage to walk away from the comfort zone of the nine to five, right? That safety net to create your own success. Mm-hmm. How about you? Where did that courage come from? Honestly, it came from having my son. So I struggled with um, infertility when I was trying to have my son and then a high risk pregnancy. And as I was going through all of that, I was working for an organization that on the surface said, we respect your, you know, mm-hmm. all of the things. Yeah. But then I would be driving to my high risk preg- pregnancy appointments and getting phone calls from my boss, assigning me work due the next day. And I realized as I was going through this, that, you know, when I had my son to have to go back to an organization that, you know, for lack of better, it was sucking my soul and pay someone to get to spend the best time ever with my kid just felt all of a sudden, like, how could I possibly? And I, that's when I decided I was going to start my own business so that I could live the life that I really most desired to live, which was get to be there for my kiddo, um, create my own schedule, and then create an impact in the organizations and the teams so that they too don't have to go through stuff like that. 
Nice. Yeah. Very so cool. it was all him. It's all yeah. him. That's awesome. Um, and then working with people and, and companies that you choose, right? Rather than mm-hmm. doing things. Who's your ideal customer or client? Is there a niche that you work in? Typically, I work with small to medium-sized organizations that maybe have likely have an HR company or uh, role, but they're primarily hiring, policy writing, maybe having to release people from their jobs, Um, but they don't have that culture expert or people person. So, and I also work with a lot of solopreneurs who are looking to start building a team, but just don't know where to start. Um, so that's really my my ideal are those smaller groups because again I love to see that almost immediate impact. Yeah. When it becomes a big machine, I find it so much slower, and I like to move fast. <laughs> um, so if you were to counsel a lot of these leaders on a type of courage, is there something they're missing? Is there a type of courage you'd like to see them demonstrate to their their employees? Yeah, I think, and it's so I'm was thinking about this of, you know, just being intentional and understanding that you're going to set the the path. And it takes courage to do that, first of all. It takes courage to lead. Um, and which I I know is the name of your podcast. That was you're perfect. Like, that was that. perfect. Yeah, good plug there. But it, it does, it takes courage, but it also takes courage to then ask for help. And I think so many leaders right now are so afraid to ask for help because they've had to be the pillar of the organization and they think it's all on them. And there's so much out there that is saying like, it's the leader's fault and you have to start the way and all of these things that put so much pressure on leaders that they're not asking for help. So have the courage to ask for help and then use that help would be the second step to it. Yeah. That's a huge step. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, it is a huge step. Just listening to your employees is going to boost their morale. If they feel they've been heard, that's great. But implement some of the things that they say, and you're going to win most of the people, right? People, if we used to do this in companies, a business process. Yeah. The manager says, this is how we should do it. Talk to the person who actually does the work. How can we improve this process? Cause they probably have tons of ideas, get their ideas, put them down on paper and then show the manager say, Hey, let's implement this for everybody. Number one, you're going to get total buy-in for the person that you're using their idea, but then they're going to help encourage others. Hey, do it this way. Cause I'm the one that came up with this. Right. So you get yeah. that peer pressure going too, but yeah, just listen, listen, and then implement. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you don't have the whole, well, the boss said, or uh, it's not my idea. It was management. I'm just told to do it this way. Yeah. Mm. Get a lot more buy-in from it. That irritates me almost as much as, yeah, this is the way we've always done it. (laughs) Oh, I know. That's also, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So with these leaders you're, you're working with, uh, what do you, what do you see as you probably come across some good leaders, right? What, what do you, what is a good leader? What do they do? What do they see? A good leader listens and 
they really, they really are being intentional. So they're setting aside the time to coach their team. They set budget aside to give them professional development. They consider the whole person. So if it's, you know, you've already mastered marketing, but you really need help with like your personal finances, like take a personal finance course. Like they are open to helping their team grow professionally and personally. They, they are showing gratitude and appreciation um, and that they really just encourage that across the organization. So they understand that while it's their job to set the tone, they do expect everyone to participate. And, and that to me is like such a great sign because then everyone holds each other accountable, right? You're not just getting a thank you from your boss. It's like the same as my son being like, yeah, mom, I know you think I'm great. You're my mom. I get it. Right. But when one of his peers says to him, you did a great job at that. All of a sudden he's like, whoa, right? He still needs it from me as well, right? Just like your team still needs it from you. But when they start doing that for Mm -hmm. each other, it's, it's like next level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the shout outs to appear or the high fives or something like that. Yeah. That means a lot. It's almost like that, like they're arm in arm with one another, as opposed to, you know, like shoving each other under the bus so that they can be like, it was my idea. I did it. It was, Hey, we were talking about this. I don't even know whose idea it was at this point, but we did it together. Right. right? It's okay that more than one person get thanked for a job. Sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So do you have any folks working for you right now? Yeah, I, I'm happy that I get to keep growing my team. So I do have a really good mix of folks that I would say are employees. And then I hugely rely on a lot of contract workers as well. And I think for small businesses, that's a key piece, right? You don't always have to have a employee to be a leader of a team. And treating, I'm such a big believer in treating those contractors or partners of yours like they're your team. It just, it really like brings them in. And I find that that's such a great way also of building that loyalty and buy-in and excitement for the work that they're doing. Um, So I treat them all like they're my team. Nice. Yeah. So if I was to bump into any of these folks and ask them what type of leader you are, mm. what would they tell me? What kind of what kind of leader are you? I would say that I'm a very empowering leader. Um, I encourage my team to do what they've been hired to do. I really trust them. Um, and I empower them to do that job. I have their back. Um, when they do make a mistake and I help them, you know, navigate those challenges. I'm, I'd like to think that I'm patient, um, but they also know that I'm still also growing and learning as I, as I become more and more of a leader myself. Very cool. Did you have a, a role model for an empowered leader? 
had a few. So I, I definitely like when I worked in my corporate job, one of, one of the challenges was that the turnover was so high Mm. and I had, I almost reported to somebody different every year. So I had a bit of a Rolodex of, of leaders, but a few of them that stood out to me, you know, this one woman, Mary said, I'm training you to take my job. You should want my job. I'm not in competition with you for my job. She's like, because I want her job. And that whole notion of we're not in competition was so helpful. It's like, right. There's enough work for all of us. Mm -hmm. There's enough seats at the table for all of us. And so her motivation to like train me and make sure that I was doing the best and then getting the credit for it was huge. Um, Another woman, Tina, really helped me become aware of how I was spending my time and setting boundaries at work, which is hugely important. Um, And also just really caring about people, right? Like she was very invested in how people felt and what she could do to support them. So I think kind of that combination um, really helped open my eyes to what a good leader could look like. And then you get to pick and choose, right? I think that that's like a little a la carte uh, version of building who you want to be. But again, it's being intentional about it, keeping the good things you want and then letting go of those that don't work for you. Absolutely. Yeah. And learning, like I said, always learning. Yeah. Cool. So what's next for you? I mean, you've accomplished quite a bit. What's next? Next is, honestly, I want to keep doing um, more immersive learning with organizations. My goal would just be that eventually, and I don't think this is like a just me job. I think that there's a lot of us out there working towards something similar, but I would love that the shift comes to this notion of, um, of course you love your job instead of wait, what you love your job. I would love for more people to love the work they do um, and to be able to feel prepared and safe um, going to work to be their best selves, that that becomes the norm instead of the exception. Mm. I want to, I want more um, leaders and teams to become this norm that liking your job, getting along with your colleagues, feeling alive at work um, becomes the norm instead of this like counting down the days to retirement because that's not a great way to live. No, that's a big task. It is. So I'm going to start on my small little part here in Ontario. (laughs) You work where you are. We'll like meet in the middle somewhere. There you go. Work ourselves out of a job. Would that be awesome? Yeah, exactly. Right. And I know so many fundraising organizations and causes say the same thing. It would be great if there was no longer a need to raise money for cancer research or domestic violence organizations. Like it would be great. I understand that there's a lot of work to do, but my goal is to start making a bigger impact where I am and hope that that, you know, hope that affects like the next generation of leaders out there. Yeah. Very cool. Good stuff. 
Well, Ashley, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for taking time out to talk with us. This is great. If people want to get in touch with you, learn yeah. more about your programs and stuff, how can they do that? What's your website? Uh, yeah, my website is ourforte.ca. So I'm Canadian. Right. Don't forget the .ca. <laughs> Um, and then I'm also on LinkedIn, um, Ashley Livingstone, and I hang out on Instagram as well, um, at ashley.livingstone. Very cool. Excellent. Yeah, we'd love to chat with people. All right. Excellent. Well, I will have all those links in the show notes. So hopefully people will reach out to you and stuff and check out the Teams with Edge program that you have. And uh, yeah, very cool. Thanks again. Yes, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity and hope we've inspired people today. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, listeners, hope you guys are taking lots of good notes because there's a lot of good information out here. Definitely check out the website, ourforte.ca. And uh, yeah, reach out to uh, Ashley on LinkedIn or Instagram and share this episode with your family, friends, and colleagues and stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now.